Hey everyone, uh, just a trigger warning before we get started with today's episode. We do talk about uh, the attempted suicide that happens in season three of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend at length. So just wanted to warn you um, if this is triggering and if you have had suicidal thoughts or know somebody who has had suicidal thoughts or attempts, uh, you could always call 988. It's a national hotline here in the United States. Uh, you could also text HELP to 741741. Uh, again, call 988 or HELP to 741741. Elnardo will say that again later in the episode, and it'll also be in the show notes. So let's get started with today's episode. Woo! Life's but a song, so you can sing along with a special guest star too. Or two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is usually my Riverdale correspondent, but since Riverdale's coming to an end, we have to figure out a new correspondent title for her. It's Ashley Evans, everyone! Whee! It's me! Am I a CW correspondent now? <laughs> because oh, both of these shows are on the CW. We may have found it, but I'm not sure if that's going to stick because who knows? Are there this. other songs, <laughs> song shows on the CW? Yes, there are other song shows on the CW. Really? No, I'm lying. No, um, they, uh, no, that was a lie. <laughs> but here, we're here today to talk about season three of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Woo! Woo! Happy May! And it's good to be aware. And it's good to be aware. Um, so the creators and showrunners are still Rachel Bloom and Aileen Brosh McKenna. Music and lyrics by Rachel Bloom and Adam Schlesinger. The oh. first episode of season three premiered October 13th, 2017. And the last episode premiered February, well, hap- uh, premiered February 16th, 2018, right before a certain birth- person's birthday. Uh, 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 so you have been hounding me (gasps) you've been hounding me to do crazy ex-girlfriend and we're finally here and i was like okay but pick a season because i kind of want to spread the wealth other people love it why did you pick season three out of the four of them because it's the best season (laughs) it's okay in my opinion it is the best state uh season because not only does it have the best songs, in my opinion, like I obviously, spoiler alert, I'm putting all of these on my life's playlist. There's no question. Hashtag no skips. Actually, though, I do skip the ones that are not explicit because yeah, you gotta have the explicit versions, but it's okay. But like, I don't skip actual songs. They're all good. I, I narrowed it down to my five faves, but all bangers, all great songs. So that's that's step one. Step two is, I mean, let's be honest, I love the whole show. It is my favorite show of all time. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody's going to parallel it. Um, I think that this show is the Meisner acting technique of TV shows because uh, Sanford Meisner's motto was acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And I think what makes this show so relatable even during some of the most bizarre unhinged circumstances, especially in this season, is that the characters are living their truths and the stakes are heightened, but the feelings are real. And all of our characters, not just Rebecca, but all of the characters want to feel loved and fulfilled and they feel incomplete and they lean on others in order to try to fill that void. And I think that this season is the best one because all of the zaniness that happens in the first couple of seasons kind of comes to a head and is the turning point to Rebecca's journey forward and recovering from her old self and becoming her best new self. So this Mm. is like transitions. I was literally going to say, this is like the, when it starts getting grounded. Yes, there's still some zaniness. Mm -hmm. There's still some crazy antics that happen. Hello, Trent. Um, Oh God. (laughs) Trent? Yeah, we're going to have to talk about him at some point, aren't we? But Speaking of Trent, I think that to sum it up, this show is a perfect bacon-wrapped date. 
because <laughs> it okay. is crispy and fun on the outside, but it is wrapped around a darker truth on the inside. And that's what works so well for this show because the situation's a lot more nuanced than that. And nothing is ever to be taken at face value because, I mean, you have your, your snappy biting jokes that keep you laughing, but it's almost as if they are the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down and the medicine is the truth why and you were you were throwing so many analogies right now I this is my favorite i i would do a thesis on this show if i was still in school um and i think the jokes you know they help the sensitive topics and themes become more digestible it's brilliantly written and mental health is an incredibly hard topic to tackle especially on network television and in my opinion this is one of the few shows that really gets it right. So. And also do it in a funny way, an entertaining yeah. way. Because, like, mm -hmm. uh, I've talked about this on the previous seasons, but, like, the hum a lot of the humor is with Dr. Okopian and how, like, mm -hmm. Rebecca ignores yep. everything. <laughs> Poor Dr. Okopian. But then learns on her own. The lessons. Um, so just a quick recap of this, of what's happened so far. Mm -hmm. Like Rebecca moved out to California for Josh Chan, which she finally admits that she loves, but she starts dating Greg who in season two leaves. Uh, mm -hmm. Then we meet Nathaniel, her boss, who she also has a romantic relationship with. And now we're in a weird and she also dates josh at some point but now it's like a weird mess of like all the men and everything that's going on plus you know we have paula who is going to law school to finally become a lawyer uh rebecca now is friends with heather and valencia at this point and mm -hmm. four of them are the girl squad girl group whatever you want to call it girl group forever girl group forever daryl is in a relationship with white josh like so much has happened that it could take me an hour just to like summarize it so we're that's my brief summary of what's going on. Well, so for a 42 minute format for episodes, they cram a lot into them and it doesn't feel like it's being crammed. Like I feel like the pacing is really good, but then you look back on it and you're like, Oh, that happened this season. Oh, that happened this season. I didn't realize that. So I, again, brilliant writing, like the whole, yes. everything of this show is great, but like really tight writing. Yeah, and then, and also there's so many layers to it because it's not just mm -hmm, talking mm -hmm. about mental health. It's talking about how there's a very feminist uh, storyline about it where it's like, hey, these are, it's calling out things that are still happening mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry, in the world in general, in other workplaces and all that. And, and, and like, um, I, I wanted to text you after in, uh, when they sing heavy boobs because I was like, uh, I, I'm just like, I don't have boobs and watching the choreography for that one number. I'm like, that's got to be hard on the body. It pains me to watch heavy boobs. Um, actually, I have kind of a fun story about heavy boobs, but I didn't know if I should tell it because the song is in season one. But that's I can a season tell one. It. Let's not focus on season <laughs> one, though. We're here to focus on season three. So, okay, season three, um, we are starting off with okay, so at the end of season two, Rebecca and Josh are gonna get married and it's gonna be yep. great, even though she's yep. cheated on him and whatever. Um, but Josh calls it off without verbalizing it he just doesn't show up and oh, so he ghosts for the holy ghost is what he, he does you're right he ghosts for the holy <laughs> ghost and that's a good pull quote thank you um <laughs> so this whole season starts off well sorry not the whole season this season starts off as like a revenge mm -hmm. fantasy and there mm -hmm. really there is an episode Hold on, I'm trying to find it because I don't remember when it is. So, episode three, <gasps> episode four, I'm sorry, episode four. My favorite episode? <laughs> but, like, it's when they start playing with the format of and the episode where they're like, we're going into a genre now. Yep. So, this... we go into, like, a 90s sexy thriller. I call this genre 
comedy horror because you know how there's horror comedies this is comedy horror so it's inverted horror comedy because at the end of the day it's a comedic show but it calls out the horror tropes like there's she's in the episode she's stalking josh to get revenge and so they've got like those like you said like the 90s those tropey things and like he gets the phone call and he picks up the phone he hears her breathing on the other end there's like a scene where like a swing in his backyard is swinging back and forth and then you see She's her push suit. it. And this is also the one that ends with Josh Groban. <gasps> out of nowhere. <laughs> we're I con- love this, Josh Groban. We're continuing with the big name special guest stars or cameos. Um, he gets, he he is one of, he's, but like he's just inside her head. It's not, it's not like other cameos in previous seasons or in even in this season where they are a character and they may sing a song and blah 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 um like he plays himself he's like it's me josh Groban. Groban. so uh i but to take it back a little bit i want to focus for a hot second on the episode names yes so, yeah let's talk about it so season one was more the, 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 we're playing with different punctuation this season. It's more of mm-hmm. a declarative statement rather mm-hmm. than a, you know, like I'm manic. I'm, I'm this, I'm questioning. I don't know what's going on. Like they mm-hmm. most of them end in a period, except for like the last, uh, except for like five episodes where mm-hmm. there's exclamation marks. And then mm-hmm. there's Trent. Trent? Trent? That's how she says it. Trent? So, uh, how do you, what do you think that means, though, that, like, this is more of a sentence instead of, like, Josh and I are going to the beach. Nathaniel? Or whatever. It's more definitive. So, like, your first couple of seasons, it's very Josh-centric. And, like, Josh does this, and Josh and I are doing that. And she's, like, excited. But now that she's coming to terms with herself, she's punctuating more definitively and she's like oh this isn't all fun and games this is my life this is my mental health this is what's happening well the downside to that what you just said (laughs) is that all the all the episode titles still involve a man's name yes so up until this in this season yeah yeah so up until episode seven all of them involve Josh's name. Mm-hmm. And then 8 through 13 are Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. Seven, One of them is Jeff. Seven is Jeff. Yeah. And that is because that is a Paula episode. Mm-hmm. Which has my favorite song this season. The first penis I saw. So That's good. in my top five. It's so good. But we're going to get there later. Um, okay. In episode, we're doing a trigger warning. Because yes. this is... This is the season where not only Rebecca gets an actual diagnosis, but like she hits rock bottom with her mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, rewatching it, it was a little rough watching this. Oh, yeah. And I'm remembering and I'm like, oh, right. She does overdose on Mm -hmm. pills and she does do this and that and i'm like wow this is i i i i like i commend the show for being brutally honest when it comes to that and i don't know if you noticed john but this is not the only time she's taken pills on a plane in the show yeah this is that was in season one with the dream ghosts where she has a bloody mary and some pills and just that's just to go to sleep but still like She's known to abuse substances on planes. And there's a lot of uh, foreshadowing to her suicide attempt throughout the series that, like, I pick up more and more Mm -hmm. on every rewatch. Like, in season two, you have the Math of Love triangles, and she says, I might be swinging from a hypotenuse, which is, like, alluding to hanging yourself. Interesting. The first song in this season uh, that... Where's Rebecca Bunch, that big ensemble number? George says, if I were here, I'd kill myself. And it's like, that happens a couple episodes before she tries to kill herself. Hmm. So 
there's I think it was always in the cards for that to be a thing and the writers would just pepper in little little clues I feel like it, it was like a for if you're paying attention this is a trigger warning in advance that it's going to happen huh now I I didn't I glossed over those little facts or those moments that you mentioned but this episode that we're talking about is episode five i never want to see josh again where she mm-hmm. flies back out east meets mm-hmm. with her mom who mm-hmm. her mom doses milkshakes yeah antidepressant antidepressants i think it's anti-anxiety pills anti-anxiety pills you're right yeah which i was just like naomi what are you doing it's and it's funny that you bring up her mom too cuz I wrote a whole chunk of my notes that like this is an interesting season because it explores the relationships of multiple characters with their parents. Yes. And not just Rebecca but like obviously that's the main one Rebecca and her mother and the the resounding theme for all of these characters and their parents is good intentions bad execution. But so I also like, I also feel like because so it it's Rebecca. There's Paula, which Paula is Paula and the, her dad, which is the episode we mentioned about getting yeah. Jeff, um, uh, Josh and his mom, mm-hmm. and Nathaniel's and, parents too. Oh uh, well, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I they're mean, they're t- the they're the actual worst, but they are there. There is love in all the relationships, but it it's not. They're Wait. not healthy. I want to amend that though. Fuck Nathaniel's dad. Fuck Nathaniel's dad. Yeah. Because I feel like with all but really, no, no, Josh does too. I was going to say all but Josh, but with all those four that we listed, like they Mm -hmm. get some sort of closure with what's been happening or what, like all of the triggers and the traumas that they've experienced over the years, except for, well, I mean, Naomi will never learn her lesson. Never. She'll Hashtag forget it. Um, <laughs> that's a different season. That's but, a song. But, like, yeah. How? I mean... I well, got... again, like, good intentions, poor execution. Like, her mother obviously loves her very much. She feels responsible for her because her father left her. She doesn't want her to die. That moment where she's looking on her laptop and sees that she's been looking up, like, ways to kill yourself is heartbreaking and tova nails it because she just like it's a very quiet moment and she's a loud character but it's this very quiet moment where she goes becky no and she's like she's tearing up and i'm like oh so like and these are the things that the writers and the actors do that like even when characters could be doing totally shitty things those moments are like this is a human just like caring about their child so like she does love her she does want her to be okay but she goes about it in all the wrong ways. She drugs her. She puts a lot of pressure on her. She's trying to get her committed without her permission. Good intentions, poor execution. I mean, she's you got... also being uber nice, which is yeah. false intentions. It's sus. What? And it's great. I, 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 it's great that we're also talking about this episode because, okay, so I watched this on Netflix. I don't know where you Same. watched this. Okay. Yeah. There was no, um. You know how usually when they do an episode like this, there's always a, a hotline or a number for suicide prevention that they mention yeah. at the end? They didn't do that for this. Oh, interesting. And unless it's like at the super end, but usually it happens like the episode ends and before they get to the end credits, they're like, if you or somebody you know, uh, uh, blah, 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 here's this hotline, call them. Um, and... Yeah, I was just very surprised at that. Yeah, I didn't notice that. And I'm going to bring that up when we get into notes from a professional, but I think it's a little too early in the episode to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a little too early. A little but, too early. <laughs> but like, okay, so we did that one. Obviously, I, I feel like a lot of our conversation is going to center around this serious moment and then the outcome of it uh, because that's basically what happens in the show. Mm -hmm. The first four episodes, like I honestly can't remember anything that happens except for like 
the de- uh, the depression that Re- Rebecca feels, and then all of a sudden she's wanting to send Josh poop. <laughs> I forgot about the poop storyline until I watched it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that happened." Because just so much happens in this season that like that literally shit itself out my brain. Like I didn't remember that storyline at all. And I'm like really relieved that Josh didn't get the poop because I was just like he would eat it. But like, then Josh would eat it. <laughs> but then like it, I feel like okay, so that episode the suicide episode and a little bit into the next one, they're trying to like balance the drama and the comedy mm-hmm. of what's happening. And it's like I feel like it was a difficult task that mm-hmm. I think they succeeded in. I def I have a whole thought process about the suicide episode. Um, I mean, we're here already. You may as well just go at it. I, without disclosing too much about my own personal life, because this is a comedy podcast, but uh, I thought that they hit the nail on the head in so many ways. Um, there is a line where Rebecca says, I'm just too tired to buy things or do things or get things or say things or face things. Like, that's depression. That mm-hmm. is summed up in, in her delivery was just like exactly, it, it just like tumbles out of your mouth and you're just like, I, I can't do anything. Um, and I talk about suicide a lot in my stand up, but I really like, I try to be careful and make it tasteful because the last thing I want is to trigger somebody by being careless with my language. And I feel like the writers, whether it's it's the people that are producing the show, writing the show, acting in the show, like all kind of collaborated and came together, or maybe they consulted a mental health professional, but I feel like no part of this episode, at least for me personally, was like triggering. And I think that's really important because there are other shows out there that do try to tackle suicide and they might be trying to make a good point, but they don't succeed. And it actually ends up having an opposite effect. And I can honestly say, and this is like the most emotional thing I'm going to say, but this show I can honestly say has saved my own life on more than one occasion. And that is, that's why I'm going to get emotional. It's, this is why it's my favorite show because Again, it's that Meisner thing, like very heightened, bizarre circumstances, but real truths. And I really commend Rachel Bloom for her acting choices, um, because that is what depression looks like. And like you said, these were like these these few episodes like surrounding this one were really hard to watch. But I think she accurately portrayed a person descending into that deep suicidal depression and... I love that when she doesn't succeed and Paula is talking to her about it and being very understanding, um, she says, I didn't want to actually die. I just wanted the pain to go away. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I no, just want to okay. also, I also just yeah, want to Feel mention- free to interject because I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm so sad, but it's fine. I'm fine. Okay. It's weird how I'm going to say this, mm-hmm. but follow me on this path. Sure. But I really liked is that they went there like you saw it it's not like because other shows would have skirted around it they would Mm -hmm. have been like oh there's the pill bottle full Mm -hmm. and now it's empty empty see her (laughs) take Take it and you go on a journey with her without her saying any words yep oh my god my heart so and and i that you that's exactly it like they they go there but they put the emphasis on how the character felt Mm -hmm. rather than having an event happen just to make a point and be like we did that it's like rather than focus on the fact that she made an attempt on her life how was she feeling during this attempt on her life because when you make it about this very real human emotional thing it becomes less of a spectacle and more introspective because it makes us as an audience look inside of ourselves and we go, can I relate to this character who feels this way? And then rather than judge them for acting a certain way, it enables us to feel empathetic, regardless of whether we've been in that position or not. And rather than being like, oh, this happened, it's like, oh, wow, she was feeling this way. And I think 
the other important thing is when Valencia breaks down and she's like, I thought you were going to die. Can you please promise that you'll never do that again? I like that they made the choice to say, I would love to promise you that, but I can't because it's, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. And I, and I think the friends were very understanding and well, I like that she had a good support system. Um, and I like that they made it that it wasn't about Josh. Cause like there's this stigma attached to suicide where it's like, well, they killed themselves because this person like drove them to the, like, that's kind of the bone I have to pick with 13 reasons why is like, these are 13 people that made me kill myself. Uh, she made it a point to be like, I didn't even think I wasn't even thinking about Josh. Like I was so in my own feels. This is what led me to this rather than being like, Josh did this to me. She, took onus of it and was like, no, this is my thing. And this is my thing that I'm working through. And I think that's important for people to see is that like, we can't, you should never blame people for other people's suicide. Yeah. And what's, what I, uh, what, what else is happening in this episode is like, um, at the beginning of this episode, she lashes out against her friends. Yeah. She's trying to alienate herself. uh, Heather is basically the voice of reasoning behind all of the friends being yeah. like, no, she needs to say, mm-hmm. I need help. And then mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that it has to get to this point, but at least at the end of the this episode, after she takes the pills, she says, she says the words, I need help. And then I we go help. on into the next episode where they, um, you know, she gets the help and then she gets the diagnosis where she sings the song on diagnosis that it's so uplifting because mm-hmm. finally she's getting an answer because mm-hmm. with and we and we hear within the song that like it, it, she's misdiagnosed and given random treatments and all that. And I think this is a now the better moment to get into notes well, from a professional. And it's also an important message that it is a journey. Your mental health is a journey. There is not a one, uh, like you do this and then you're fixed. Like she went through all that and she's still learning. So let's get into the segment. Notes from I, I look forward to it. Yeah. Welcome back to another Notes from a Professional. I'm here with Elnardo Martinez one more time for season three of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You said season two was depressed this is a dark season yeah this is a super dark season for sure this is but this is also the season where they diagnose rebecca with uh borderline personality disorder would you agree with that absolutely yeah i would definitely agree um i think again they kind of gave us like pieces and crumbs throughout the first two seasons and kind of the beginning of season three um we've seen a lot and heard a lot more um, about Rebecca's history so a lot of the history of abandonment the really bad kind of family dynamics dad relationship um and so yeah I think they did a great job of kind of setting it up building it up to that point and um really I think captured the diagnosis in a really kind of valid and correct way I mean she also had to hit rock bottom in order to get this. Um, I don't know how to, this is going to be a really serious conversation, but like, is the suicide attempt that she does, is that like a a part of the borderline or is that maybe more the depression that you were talking about? Is it both? What? How would you define that? Yeah, I think the suicide attempt is a mixture of both, right? So if we look at the like the clinical markers for borderline personality disorder, suicide attempts or recurrent suicidal thoughts is a piece of that. Um, but also there is depression as part of that clinical diagnosis as well. Um, so I think, and there's a lot of other mental health disorders where it, suicide doesn't necessarily have to be a part of it, but it's almost like, you know, a lot of, any kind of mental health diagnosis where you reach like a chronic point or a point where there hasn't been much change, even if you've been or haven't been in therapy can lead to thoughts or or ideations of suicide or suicide attempts. So 
I know I, 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 I jumped right into it because like, this is the season, but like, I feel like I, my answer to this question, well, I'll ask the question then I'll answer it. And then maybe you could, uh, talk, uh, extrapolate more on it. Um, how do they portray mental health this season? I feel like I personally feel like this is the season that they start like really talking and really showing you like the good, the bad, the ugly of, you know, needing help and seeking help. And, you know, I mean, as uplifting of a song as my diagnosis is, it's really kind of upsetting of a song. I mean, you really think about it. But how do you yeah. feel about uh, the portrayal of mental health? Yeah, I mean, I think season three has, yeah, up to this point, like the best portrayal of like act, like actual mental health, not just giving us like, oh, you know, signs or symptoms, like actually kind of being pretty explicit with it. Um, and I think, you know, we see that with either, I don't remember if it was Dr. Copian or Dr. Shin, who like goes through like the symptoms of borderline personality disorder with Rebecca. Um, we meet Dr. Shin, who kind of talks about like what treatment looks like in medication. Um, we also have, yeah, the My Diagnosis, which is, yes, kind of a dark song, but also, unfortunately, a pretty common experience for a lot of people with not only borderline personality disorder, because it can go under or misdiagnosed, um, but really almost any mental health disorder. You know, unfortunately, while a lot of clinicians do go to school for training. That doesn't still mean that they're like really great clinicians who can accurately diagnose or really take the time to diagnose. Um, so there's a lot of people who will go through life with an incorrect diagnosis or no diagnosis um, because it's either not picked up or not spoken about enough um, for people to really understand and, and get the, the proper care. Yeah, uh, it's Dr. Kopian who does the checklist. Is there actually a checklist for uh uh borderline personality disorder yeah there's actually like a not it's kind of like a checklist clinicians generally use what's called the dsm or the diagnostic stand uh, diagnostic standard manual um which is basically like a book um and it has all kind of mental health diagnoses in there and then there's like it says like it needs to meet certain criteria from this cluster and this cluster and this cluster um to be diagnosed so I can't give, I can't ask like a specific question, but like the ones that they use for uh, borderline, is that truthful or did, or did yeah, they? Yeah, I think it sounds like they pulled those directly out of the manual. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to change gears again, because <laughs> let's, let's focus now on Paula, considering she's like the co-lead and we've, talked a lot about her um this season i believe this is the one where she actually like tells um like sets boundaries with rebecca to be like we're not doing any heists we're not doing this we're not so how would you diagnose paula this season yeah i think in this season we see paula growing kind of maybe coming out of that kind of depression that we've seen in other seasons where she's kind of standing up for herself with Rebecca, her relationship with her husband has improved. They've gone through kind of their, their gamut of things that kind of really tested and made their relationship rocky. Um, And now she's in law school. Um, So if anything, I would say, you know, I wouldn't give her a diagnosis in this season, but I think we see like an increase more in anxiety with, with Paula here. Um, which makes sense. She's in law school. It's very rigorous. You know, kind of that whole process is really stressful. Um, she's spending a lot of time studying, really focused on those things, kind of juggling, also still working. Um, so I would say like signs of anxiety, but maybe not necessarily like diagnose in this situation. Um, and as you said, too, we met, we meet Dr. Shin this season. I'm a little confused as to the difference between him and Dr. Kopi. And what is like, they say outpatient for the therapy, but what what is the difference between the two of them in terms of like treating Rebecca? I get the sense, although Dr. Akopian talks about medication a bit, I think she's more of a psychologist. Um, so someone who 
does more like just talk therapy, not just talk therapy, but does more like of the therapy in terms of like talking or using like cognitive behavioral therapy, which seems like it's what Dr. Copian tends to use. Um, and then Dr. Shin is a psychiatrist um, who it seems like he also kind of doubles in therapy, which can happen, although generally doesn't because psychiatrists are super busy and there's such a shortage of them that they can't really spend time doing therapy and medication. Um, so Dr. Shin is more of a psychiatrist. So he does like kind of the psychiatric med management with them. And it seems like he works more at like a like a center or like a larger clinic where they provide a variety of services. So that's why Rebecca's there for like group therapy. Um, and it seems like Dr. Copian is more of like an individual, like private practice clinician. But it also seems that she has, well, it's not all, it seems, she has one-on-one therapy sessions or at least like conversations with Dr. Shin. Do you, have you ever had led a group therapy session, first of all, before I answer this, ask this next question? Yes, I've run group therapy. Yeah, yeah. All right. So do you see each individual in your group as, uh, as on their own or do you only see these people in group therapy? So that can vary. So I've had some situations where like a group client is an individual client of mine. Sometimes they're not. They could be seeing someone else. I also kind of, they don't explicitly say this in the show, but I get the feeling that the, what Rebecca's doing with Dr. Shin is maybe something that we would call like an intensive outpatient program or like a partial hospitalization program where they're kind of getting like a series of like wraparound services. So like medication management, individual therapy, group therapy in one place, um, multiple times a day versus where maybe Dr. Copian as like an outpatient therapist or psychologist would see her like once a week for an hour versus kind of this more intense level of care that she might be getting with Dr. Shin, which I think is what the case is because it was post-suicide attempt. We've talked, we've talked at length about Rebecca. We've talked about Paula. Who would you highly recommend goes to therapy this season? Um, Outside of Rebecca... Season three, I can't really pinpoint any. I mean, I think Nathaniel could have been in therapy like when he was a child. <laughs> uh, he could have really used it. So the sooner he could get into therapy, the better. Um, but I think, yeah, season three, I think focused a lot more on kind of Rebecca and her therapy. Um, yeah. So I think that was a good, a good point of view. Before I ask the last question, I do want to go back to the episode of Rebecca uh, attempts suicide it's weird that i watched it on netflix so i don't know if they cut this out or if it wasn't added at all but it usually on tv shows that have this type of episode they add a suicide prevention hotline number is there like one for across america or is it like specific to states what what's like a good way in case somebody needs to reach out? Yeah, no, a great. So recently they passed the kind of national suicide hotline number, which is just 988. Um, and so that's a number of people. It's essentially like the mental health 911. So 988. Um, or people can text help to 741741. Um, and that connects them to a trained crisis counselor. And that's just a like, Across America, no, no across matter. America, yep, anywhere. Awesome. Yep. Um, and then, lastly, since I'm asking this every season because I'm stupid, uh, how would you diagnose this season? Yeah, I think this season we can stick to Rebecca's borderline personality disorder um, because the season was kind of all over the place. We got some clarity on some of behaviors and a lot of the things that were happening. Um, I think fall closely in line. Um, yeah. Well, Eleonardo, thank you so much for coming back for season three. We have one more season to get through. So stay tuned, everyone, and we'll be back. So I know I repeated with you and with Eleonardo that factoid, but it's it just blew my mind because you even mentioned 13 Reasons Why. And at the mm-hmm. end of every episode of that first season that I can remember, I can't remember any seasons afterwards, they did have... If you or a loved one is experience, it has suicidal thoughts, reach out. 
whatever the PSA announcement is. So I just wanted to make sure that it was it was great that he um he told us the number, uh, which mm-hmm. will be in the show notes and um probably I will repeat them at the end of the episode. But back to talking about season three. And <laughs> this is a weird segue because I don't I I mean we were we were having a very serious in-depth conversation, but like just like the show, it's like we got to get back to the comedy. We got well, it's a bacon wrap date, so we got to the we ate the date first. Okay. Now let's have some bacon. I just let's have I threw the my cup across the room by accident. Oh, good. So, <laughs> um, so much happens. We're never going to reach every storyline again because, like you said, the forty-two minutes they jam pack with all the stories, but, but expertly expertly and 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 i said this before and i'm probably gonna say it again like there is no clunker of an episode or like you know in that little show called glee where (laughs) they would have like a random (laughs) a random episode that has nothing really to do with the whole series the overarching series like katie and a gaga (coughs) what (laughs) puppet master um (laughs) I quit. <laughs> so, so, but like there, there isn't one no. in this show ever, and it flows so nicely. Like I was like, oh, I need to go back to this episode and look for this thing, but it, it just narratively for for having a message of like this doesn't make narrative sense. Like it did make narrative sense in this narrative, if that makes sense. And this is a good segue back to Trent. <laughs> Oh my god. Because Trent, since season one, his introduction, they try to weave him and him in and out of the season the series. Um and they do it expertly. He's terrifying. Yes. But like, so we ended last season seeing him give the envelope of Rebecca's past to Josh, that Josh never reads, but then yeah. he's back this season to ruin rebecca's life once again because he has that like if i can't have you no one can have you mindset it's terrifying but he's a mirror for rebecca which i feel like plays into her getting better is like this is the type of person you're going to become if you don't take care of your mental health do you want to become this but also like we see it we don't I've I said this before. I'm going, but you are new to this, so listener, I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself. But like, Rebecca learns, she grows, mm-hmm. and so like, even if it's like a minuscule step into the direction of like positivity, mm-hmm. she still is growing every episode. Whereas Trent seems to be regressing. Oh and, yeah, like not learning. Um, so like even the fact that he has a storage locker yeah a a weird banana storage locker that was a test but you know rebecca she doesn't have a storage locker but she did have a bunch of josh chan things that she She got rid of in a previous she had channy bear in fact you see channy bear getting stabbed during scary scary sexy lady that cracks me that is my favorite episode of the season it's just so the details are so great and i'll i'll talk about them more when we get into sharps and flats because i sharped the whole episode this is the best episode of the season oh that will be <laughs> until next episode ashley ha because i'm in chaos but oh no live well, sharps and flats for songs and plot <laughs> good um, so so but what the, another storyline that happens this season later in the season daryl and white josh break up because they because daryl wants a baby and so both Rebecca and Heather offer their services. <laughs> Rebecca is an egg donor and Heather uh, becomes the surrogate. I mean, did that naturally make sense to you? I mean, again, it's that idea that the show has heightened realities and real human emotions. So like, is this a real thing that might happen in life? Maybe not, but the characters are still living their truths as these characters doing these things. And I, I, Heather's lines, like in general, are incredible. Oh my God, I love her. 
but she's my favorite character. I decided that after watching the season. I'm like, Heather is my favorite whoa, whoa. character. Whoa. whoa. Yeah. Not, not Rebecca because she learns things? Because she's basically. Rebecca, doing... Rebecca is exempt because she okay. is in her own tier. But if I have to pick another character that is my favorite, I pick Heather. You're right. Specifically because she's got these great one liners. Like when she has the. She's super pregnant. And she goes, and, and Hector's like, oh, you know, we should get a present for the baby shower. And she goes, I'm making him a present, bitch. Like, and it's funny because she's so deadpan throughout the entire series, which is like what adds to her charm. And, but like, that was such an emotionally charged line that it's Vela Lavelle can do no wrong. Like, she's perfect. But like, other highlighted Heather, there were too many, so I had to narrow it down. But like, Valencia goes, where'd you get those clothes? And Heather goes, oh, off a of scarecrow. So you look nice. Or at one point she goes, I'm thinking of becoming a life coach or maybe a mime. Yeah. And it just like sits there. And then uh, every time she says I quit in this series, it's hilarious because I quit. Well, and then also this is this is a good season for her too as a character because yeah. – um, she graduates finally, and mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but when I, when I graduated college, it was just like, it's happening? I'm yeah. done with academia for forever. now? If I, if I want to, I'm done forever? Yeah. yeah. So, the, the song, The Moment Is Me, I know we're not really talking that in-depth about songs this episode, but, like, The Moment Is Me hits so hard. Because it's such a real feeling oh, that yeah. I think almost everyone experiences. Oh, yeah. But then, later in the, se- the season, Heather becomes a brand manager, branch manager. She manages, like, all the home bases in her area. Regional she, manager, that's it. Her home base, home base, is home base in West Covina. But, like... She gets to pop into other ones as like a a regional manager. Like I think this is a strong. I, I agree with you. I think this is a very like the best season because everyone mm-hmm. grows. I mean, yeah, I mean, naturally that happens in a show and everything. But like you, I mean, they they were like, okay, we can't just keep the joke that Heather's in college. Like it ha- yeah. she has to grow up, and then also we see Paula like hit the books and like follows her dream. Uh, Josh has to move out. Josh has to stop being a boy and become a man. Josh, but he moves into Hector's mom's house. So (laughs) did he grow a little? He's working on it. He's working on it. He's He's a work in progress. Um, Nathaniel is still breaking down and becoming more human. Uh, And then Valencia... Valencia she starts a, a new business and has yes. yeah what what I do like also about this season which I think is later it's like either the second to let it's basically when Heather agrees to be the surrogate like mm. they do a time jump basically yes yeah because they're like fuck this we're not prolonging the pregnancy we're not doing this we're just yeah. like this is where they started and this is where they currently are and they're going to be after this episode. So like, I also really appreciated that because- And it makes sense for other characters too. Like obviously Heather is like the person that it centers on because she exits, goes into the back, comes out and she's eight months pregnant. So that's like who the focal point is at that time. But like Nathaniel and Rebecca have been fucking like this whole time. Well, yeah. In relationship with Mona- yes um paula's been been working hard um what other characters are going to oh valencia is dating beth and they are partners in the party planning business that valencia has i don't know what josh what is she's moral support (laughs) no but like as a as a for a living it doesn't really she's she's like the business I feel like she's more the business end, you know, like yeah. creating the um She crunches the, the numbers and yeah and everything, but uh yeah. Oh, White Josh. Work. And then White Josh 
White Josh goes to Habitat for Humanity and then comes back with facial hair. Ah, I love White Josh. And he's because he's dealing with uh, breaking up with Daryl because even though he didn't want a baby, he's sad about that. And then he comes back and, and you know, Josh thinks that he went to Happy Tats for, for manatees uh, because uh, he's a boy. <laughs> uh, and then also I, I wrote little pot notes for this yeah. instead of doing my normal bullshit when it comes to these uh so sunil is now besties with the people that with the like the secondary characters at uh white feather or mountaintop whatever it's called now i don't remember plimptonville <laughs> yeah what it's called. the the law firm that rebecca and paula work for um but like pr- prior to this sunil was like paula's henchman go-to buddy to like make fun of everybody else but now after eight months he is with the people that they used to make fun with of because paula's a monster she's the office bitch but even that even that is nuanced because like i don't know about you but as an audience member i love paula i think paula is great but now you see it from other people's point of view and like the shit she says to people is really nasty. Oh no. It doesn't even occur to her that she's being nasty. So she needs to have that convo with Sunil and he's like, this is what you say to people and it's not good. And so calling her on her bullshit and having her grow from that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. Fuck. It's so nuanced and it's, I love this fucking show. Also speaking of Sunil, can we talk about, I, I made a hashtag for this show called, Hashtag no wasted characters because every yes. single character is there for a reason from you've got like secondary characters like Maya, Tim, Jim, um, Tim's got buzzing in the bathroom. Like he gets that epic ballad, like no wasted characters to like people who are only introduced for an episode, Cornelia. And like every single character that they introduced there is they, they knew what they were doing when they cast that person. It is not, a pretty little liars scenario where they're like, and then we'll bring in another hot person and they'll be here for two seconds and then leave. And then you'll forget that they were in the plot. Like you could tell that the writers had an arc from beginning to end. And they're like, these are the characters we want. And this is what they're going to do in the show. And like they flesh out even the most tertiary characters, no matter how many episodes they're in. And I love that about this show. I love whenever Mrs. Hernandez gets to speak. Oh in this my season, God. She's that so is mind blowing. Why didn't that bitch invite me to the wedding? Like, she's so great. Or the poker game when they're all playing poker in the office and she's looking like baby Justin Bieber with, like, her brimmed hat and her hoodie. She's just being a snark. And Daryl has a vest with peppers on it. (laughs) And then, like, Jim has a shirt that has, like, dice with flames on it. And, like, Tim's got suspenders. But yet the person that my eye goes to, even though their costumes are outrageous is Father Bra because he is wearing a black t-shirt and I'm like, he's so sexy. Oh, Father Renee Bra. Renee it can be my father. R- not for real, like daddy. He says, just call me daddy. And I was like, okay. And he's <laughs> another one that over he's time- so sexy. Oh my that, God. That over time up to the season finale, he's like, we're learning more about him. Like we know, yeah. like, like he's part of the- there's no other term for this that so I'm just gonna say it. He's part of Josh's pussy posse. Like, <laughs> like there's there. Yeah, I made a Leonardo DiCaprio reference, everyone. You're welcome. Oh, that's hilarious. I love but like, it. you know, you know pussy posse. You, you know, you know that those guys in high school were trying to get laid. Oh and yeah. Like Josh is probably the only one that was able to get laid. Well, he's the ripped Filipino. Yeah. That's him. Um, what else did I... There was something else I wanted to say about the time jump. Oh, what I... Uh, so you were talking about how, like, uh, even the tertiary characters or the one-off characters, mm-hmm. uh, like, they write them so well. Like, even Beth. I thought... I, I, remember, I love Beth. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a random character that'll never come back and then you know you're like oh no you are a recurring now congratulations <laughs> and she's like i i call her a a sub heather or sub white josh because 
Beth is one of the characters that keeps the series grounded. So like Heather will call you out on your bullshit. White Josh will call you out on your bullshit. Beth will call you out on your bullshit and be like, hey, this is going crazy. Let's bring this back down to earth. And in improv, we call that the straight man. And I find it so funny that two of the straight men in the show are not straight characters, but would they you, are the straight man. Would you call Scott a straight man? Paula's Scott. husband? Um, Sometimes. It depends on the season. I think in this season, yes. I think in other seasons, not so much. But I think in this season, I like that they're they're back together and like they grow and she has that moment in buffalo with her first love where she's like this was nice to have had in the past but this is not for me i love my husband and then she stops lie detecting him i was like paula come on like well so i mean i feel like it's that episode is very interesting because a it's the return to format of after mm -hmm. the 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 big yeah yeah, the the um the the down <laughs> I don't even know what to call it and make it funny. So, um but like this is the return to format. Paula sings the first penis I saw. Um oh, so good. Uh uh Rachel Rebecca. Rebecca <laughs> has my friend's dad. Um and so like they're going back into the comedy route and everything and like it's very interesting that Jeff, this character who is also mm -hmm. a one-off, yeah, which is which, I find it's interesting that they didn't get a like super special guest star for that role. You know what I, mean? I think that's great. No, I think it's great because he's he seems like a real human person. Because I don't think I mean correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they paint him in a negative light at all. Like yeah, he is trying to hook up with a married woman, but he's not like skeezy like no and he's also trying to like rekindle something yeah so, he's nuanced he's not like that's this guy it's like they they clearly had something special and then you move away and you outgrow each other and that's okay and that's part of life and shit that's, happens that's good to have in the show and and honestly there are a lot of it's funny that um do you remember the comment that rebecca makes uh, with Paula, where she's like, you don't have to be the big spoon anymore. We're like two same size spoons. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, Paula's, some of Paula's life choices mirror Rebecca, because Rebecca just had more seasons to delve into her childhood fantasy for Josh, whereas Paula had an episode, but like this was someone that she idealized. That was her first love. And then she kind of realizes that the fantasy is just that. It's a fantasy, and she has moved on, and there are better things for her out there so in that way they kind of mirror each other where you're realizing that your first love might you might have outgrown them and that's okay yeah and i i like that and i kind of want to stop here oh because i have this... like a couple things that are not song related that i wanted to talk to you about mm, fine let's keep going <laughs> it's a it's a wardrobe thing so it's for you okay so did you notice that especially in the beginning of the season, when Rebecca is being very mischievous, there is a giant recurrence of red, black, and white in her wardrobe. And when she has white, there is black to juxtapose it, whether it's her being an espresso-haired vixen, is what she calls herself, which is a great line. Um, but also she has like this little dress that's like a little white dress, but it's black and it looks like a heart. And that's like the logo of this season is like the black balloon and her like smoking a cigarette in a white dress with dark hair. So like red, black and white are these like recurring colors that happen whenever she's doing something mischievous. And I love that. And that's very specific. Like when it's when she goes to the banquet with Nathaniel and she's got the red dress on when she's ruining Josh's reputation with the article and she's got that that white black dress on. Um, when she's at, it comes back after the deep middle of the season when her and Nathaniel break up and then they go to court and they do horny angry tango. So she's wearing a red pantsuit with black and then her dress is also red and black. So it's like this, it reflects not only like mischief, but also Nathaniel, like red and black are her and Nathaniel's glue. But they also make a point about it where she rents all these all these 90s thrillers that we talked yeah. about Fatal and, attraction, yeah and they are i i think that's that's more what they're referencing rather than 
creating like a new costume language. Does well, that make sense? The white, the white with the dark hair, that's fatal attraction. But like, but like all during... of these, I think, I think we could, I think if we, if you and I binged 90s thriller movies, which God help us if Let's we actually do, it. do that. No, Let's do it. no, we will lose our minds. Uh, I'm but... already there. <laughs> I'm already right. there. You're right. What am I saying? I don't have one. Um, <laughs> Where is my mind? Um, I feel like though, that's what they were more commenting on because then even in that what the fuck is that episode there's so many of them um the the episode four that we talked about where she does the thriller movie the suspenseful thriller movie like that's Mm -hmm. that's them actually like doing one of the references and they're like not sorry about it hashtag not sorry see but she's in blue in that but whenever it involves nathaniel it's always red and black like strip away my conscience, red and black, horny, angry tango, red and black. Like that's her hmm. Nathaniel colors. So you're more so talking about the colors rather than yeah. the outfits. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a specific style, but it's like these are the colors that reflect her with Nathaniel. Honestly, didn't pay attention that well closely to her. I'm team Rebecca. Nath- All of these relationships are toxic, but if I'm going to root for a guy, I, I, I love Nathaniel so much. Not Trent? Trent is hilarious, and we'll get to that when we talk about songs, because holy shit. But, like, I love Nathaniel. And and Nathaniel had to grow on me, because in season two, wasn't a fan. Because even though she shouldn't have been with Josh, I was like, can you leave this woman alone? She's trying to get married here. But, like, and again, we'll talk more about it with songs, but the more Nathaniel sang, the more I was like... It's okay. <laughs> Which is not okay, but it's like fine. Scott Very Michael good. Foster, excellent casting choice. Um, also, just like a couple more instances of the writing being so tight is the callbacks to jokes from previous seasons. Where you know what is what else is really interesting about this? They mm-hmm. break their own format with the episode yeah. itself. So oh, yeah. they would have I, I noticed this. Because I mm-hmm. again, I was writing out plot points and all that instead of actual notes. Um, mm-hmm. Seasons one and two, they would do the episode, and then they would have a postscript or like yeah. a, or a, where sometimes it felt like a deleted scene. Sometimes it yeah. was like the button of like the quiet underlying joke that's happened uh, happening. But this mm-hmm. season doesn't have. They didn't do it. And I think part of that is because there are so many dark episodes. So it's like, how are we going to put a post scene after this? But I think also they wanted to focus more on the story this season. Yes, agree. Hard agree. So like, instead of doing the joke, like, I don't know if you've ever, if you've watched Fuck Ton of Cats on YouTube, but there is an extra little scene that I was expecting in that episode, but it didn't. Yeah. Well, there's just so much. Well, there's an outtake I have in, in a sharp that we could talk about later. Clearly, clearly they filmed a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, And I guess they probably were like, this is for the socials. This is for the episode. This is for the DVD. Maybe if they're, I don't know. I don't have the DVD. So, uh, this is for the like it it felt planned but I'm not sure if I want to actually give them that compliment of planning it because I don't think it actually was I think it was like oh fuck we have to edit this out let's figure out where to put it because it's so good you know what I mean I just I I love the writing though I think it's really tight and then they they like call back to previous seasons like the ant protein bars that uh White Josh is selling at the beginning of the season um they talk about how like oh ant protein power like that's powder is the future and if you remember in season one rebecca is in the pie competition with paula and she's like uh i got cricket flour from the store i guess that like bugs are like really good for you so it's like little things like that or like heather gets mad at daryl for trying to make her birthing into a group hang and he goes but i'm just having a few people over and those are two song titles right. from season one and then like trent is like tells this detailed story of the coyotes after getting hit by a bus and he goes and you know i'm afraid of clowns and trains which is a lyric from i'm so good at yoga like 
these writers pay attention to their past plot points. And then the transitions are so funny and there's too many to detail, but just like a couple examples, like Josh is studying to be a priest and he goes, maybe I'm faking it. And then it echoes faking it, faking it. And it, it, it transitions over to the beginning chords of buzzing in the bathroom after he says faking it. And I'm like, that's such a funny joke. And then like, uh, somebody says, oh, that's disgusting. And then it transitions to a completely different group of people. And it's Tim and Jim blowing a boogery tissue across the table. Like the way that they edit it is perfect. Mm -hmm. And I cannot praise all of these people enough. Like there's no one that I think did a bad job. I think they're all great. And just like these quippy one-liners too, like, uh, Paula's son goes, can I get a tattoo? Just a small blueprint of a local prison. She goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, just like a oh, random yeah. and, joke. But like, that was, that's been set up since season one as part yeah. of the humor. So like, yeah, uh, they, yeah. <laughs> or Valencia says, oh, we can't have a Riverdale themed party. Your friends are not hot enough to be on Riverdale. I died. I and I was died. like, I gotta talk to John about this in this episode. I died when they said that because I was just like, we're gonna have to mention this, aren't we? <laughs> oh, none of your friends are hot enough to be on Riverdale. <laughs> well, Ashley, <laughs> I think now it's time. Oh yeah, let's, let's call. Uh, what we're don't worry, everyone. Where there's still more to talk about, we're still gonna get to it. But what do you have? I ask everyone at the end, obviously, of this episode. What do you have to plug or promote? So uh, you can see me on Instagram or TikTok and TikTok at Schleebly, that's S-H-L-E-E-B-A-L-E-E. And you can follow me there to see updates on comedy shows that I am doing. And yeah. I know I, I know we spent a lot on the one story, and but it's the important story of the season. So if there was, if there was another story that you wish that we talked about and maybe we will next episode, but I don't know if there, if there's some character that you really liked and wanted to shout out, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Um, Don't tell me just yet. You know what? Tell me what your favorite song is and maybe I'll put it on the socials, you know? Yeah. Uh, and obviously we're going to, Ashley and I are going to continue talking about season three of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend next episode. So, And I just, I don't want to uh, sign off of this episode without saying if you are struggling mentally, it is okay to ask for help and yes. we encourage you to do so. Yes. Um, Ashley, thank you so much for popping by off of Riverdale. Thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable while still fangirling out over my favorite show. Oh, don't delight. worry. You're, you're still going to fangirl next episode. It's going to be fine. Oh, because there's songs. There's there's songs. And that's my shit. <laughs> uh, and everyone, bye for now. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.